I'm here at the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco, and with me today is a special guest. Uh, how about you introduce yourself? I am Dan Bliss from Binary Square. And um, so you've been making games for a long time. Um, and I met you actually at the Touch Arcade party uh, for iPhone games. So can you talk about um, your first game and what, um, what inspires you to make games? Well, let's see. I think the first game I made was a knockoff of Super Mario Brothers, or actually the original Mario Brothers game with the pipes, you know, you turn the turtles upside down. I created a, a fully functional Mario Brothers game in BASIC on the VIC-20, and uh, it was fully playable. I wish I still had the source code for it. Um, so from then, did you just keep on making games until you um, grew up and all that other stuff? Um, the first it off and on? first language I learned was assembly language and started writing uh, games on the Commodore 64. And I've, over the years, I've uh, written game engines or games for probably 25 platforms, including uh, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, uh, Game Boy Advance, um, the Palm Pilot, um, several different cell phones. Um, just all sorts of stuff. So what's been your favorite platform? I think right now my favorite platform is the iOS uh, with Apple, mainly because it's it's so easy to develop a game and it also gives an independent developer probably the best opportunity out there right now uh, to create income. Yeah, can you talk about, because um, in the pre-interview we mentioned um, that you were developing games before, uh, for mobile phones, before the iOS. Can you talk about some of the challenges of mobile game development before iOS and, you know, to highlight the opportunity that indie developers have right now? Yeah, so I started writing some games in what used to be called J2ME, uh, now it's mobile Java, and came up with some really cool stuff but it's pretty it was pretty hard to get in the door um, they had a few people deciding who would get on the game deck for the carriers and if you couldn't get on like the first page of the the game list it was pretty hard to make any money I mean you could you could have a crap game and if you got on the were on the top 10 in the list you know you'd make a truckload of money and so fast forward to the iOS program um, uh, when the App Store first came out, uh, what games did you develop for the iOS and what, what were your expectations then? Because you had that kind of not so positive experience with other mobile games. What were you thinking at this point? Well, the good news was that I could have a, a relationship directly with Apple. And so having it on iTunes made it more accessible to people to where I actually would have a chance to, you know, make some money. Well, didn't you run into the same issue that you had with the game decks where there's only a certain amount that can be in the top list? Well, it's, it's a lot different um, because if on the actual, the old school cell phones, um, you couldn't really search very well. So if you weren't on the top of the list, nobody would ever see it. So at least with iTunes, you can go in and search for somebody or, you know, and now with the internet so prevalent, um, it's pretty easy to find a game um, if you're looking for it. So you released your first game on iPhone. What happened? Um, the first game I released uh, was actually 
an SDK port of a Web 2.0 game that I had made. The Web 2.0 game uh, got like 10 million downloads and it was hugely popular. It was number one on Apple's Web 2.0 site for a couple months. Um, so I had a lot of success there and I thought if I port that over the, the SDK that you know maybe I'd have the same success. And the timing wasn't right. Um, so it didn't really didn't well, really pan out. Did you was the game free or because I think when the App Store first came out, people were trying different business models, different price ranges, stuff like that. What was the pricing? On that? I started. Uh, I think I started at like four ninety nine, and I, I got some decent sales, but it didn't. It wasn't anywhere near. Uh, the experience with the, the Web 2.0 app, and I think people were used to playing it for free, and I took it down off the web, and now the people had to pay for it, I don't think they were too happy about that. Um, did you think about experimenting with the price, taking it down to 99 cents, or even making it free, and using ads or something else at that time? Um, no, I, I decreased the price eventually, and sales went up a bit, um, but it never really caught on as much as the... Uh, you know, as it did pre previously. So after that game, what were you thinking? Are you thinking that it's just going to be the same old thing? What what inspired you? What did you do next? Did you decide to stick with the platform? Did you move on to another platform? Um, pretty much stuck with it. Because I, I mean, I've been writing games for 31 years, so I'm going to write games whether I make money or not. Yeah. But I was hoping I would make some money, so. I wrote a game that I had been tinkering around with the idea for a long time of combining uh, Space Invaders and Breakout into one game, and I was kind of surprised nobody had thought about that before. And uh, that was actually quite a big success for me. And um, how long did it take you to make that second game? Um, I had already started, as soon as I heard that the SDK was coming out, um, I had never written any OpenGL code, so I started learning OpenGL on the desktop, and I actually wrote a version of, the, of Space Out for the desktop, so then porting it to the phone when, the, when I actually got a hold of the SDK and the beta program, um, it was pretty quick. And did you change the business or the pricing model this time versus uh, your first game? No, actually I didn't. I, oh, wow. I put it out for $4.99, and that was kind of before everybody was you know, going for the 99 cent thing. Yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, I had, I had really, really good sales for about four months, and then it started tapering off. Um, but, you know, I'm still selling the game, so. So, what did you think at that, um, at that point, when you started making sales off this new platform? What did you decide to do? Well, I was pretty excited about it. Yeah. Um, and now, a few years later, um, I'm working out of my basement and doing games full time. I'd been burning the candle at both ends, so to speak, you know, having a day job to pay the bills. Um, but for the last year, um, I've been making all my money off the iOS platform. And, and how did that feel? Um, well, I guess. What inspired you to actually go full time into it? Um, I know, I know, you're making revenue, but. You know, you've seen this happen where things shift and things change and stuff like that. So what inspires you to finally take the leap? Well, I am actually uh, take occasional projects where I um, develop a game for another company. And so when my sales dip, I still have uh, kind of a, a backup plan 
you know, to keep making money. So I'm making money from the iOS platform. I'm not necessarily making all my money right now from just my own games. It's a combination, but it's working out well. And what, so after that, what other games did you decide to do? Like how many games overall have you released under your studio name or, or your, yeah? Uh, right now, uh, I think it's six games from Binary Square and one game that I designed and, and created for Backflip Studios. And um, I guess what's been, so after that second game, what was the third game you did? Uh, third game was another Web 2.0 app that I converted to the SDK called Stomp'em. It's a puzzle game that has about 412 levels. And uh, some of those levels uh, literally take, could take up to a week to figure out. So the difficulty level on some of those is pretty tough. And I think it, um, it's, I like hard puzzles personally, but the mass populace, you know, they want, today, you know, it's different than it used to be. Back in the, the arcade era and the, the golden age of the NES and that sort of thing, games actually used to be really tough, you know, almost to the point of wanting to throw your controller at the wall because you're so frustrated. And today, I, I think people, you have to make a game that's more like, you know, unicorns and rainbows. Yeah, so to, it's a completely different type of game that well, no, no, you can play today. You can keep the same gameplay, but I think the artwork has to be unicorns and rainbows. What's wrong with that? Do you, I mean, do you personally object to that kind of style? Or mm. no? I mean, you know, there's you could a have lot. Made of your space out, like unicorn out or um, jewel out or something. Well, I think I think people like more uh, of the modern type graphics. You know, kind of like what you'd see in most flash games or something. Um, I still really like pixel art, uh, 8-bit type graphics, old arcades probably from the late 70s to the mid 80s. Um, and that's the kind of, I basically like to create retro style games that could have been back in the 80s, but weren't. Um, so that game was really hard. Did you decide to make things easier then after that third game? Like what's the, what's the shift in strategy? Because while all this is happening, there are also other changes happening on the platform, like the concept of 99-cent games, like the concept of a light version, like the concept of free-to-play. Did you start looking into any of those other business models or ways to get more exposure? Um, Stomp'em's free now. And uh, most of my games are 99 cents. And I'm looking into doing some, uh, doing some ads on some free games. But I think... You know, putting together the, the right balance of a game, uh, still there's room for success for that. Yeah. Um, what's been the favorite game you've released so far? Um, that's a good question. Probably either Space Out or Dragon Panic. And what's, what's Dragon Panic or, or Dragon Panic? Dragon Panic, basically you're a, a dragon in a castle dungeon and you tilt the phone to run back and forth uh, and you can you basically tap the screen to, to shoot a fireball but you can only shoot in uh, 45 degree angles and then there's uh, stuff falling from the, the ceiling like um, you know shields and spears and 
swords and things like that that you have to dodge or shoot with your fireballs. Um, and if one hits the ground, it'll actually break out of uh, the floor. So you're just basically going for a high score trying to keep from getting hit. Um, and there's various potions and power-ups and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, one of the issues that some people have talked about with the iOS platform is that once you release, there's a steep decline. How, how are you marketing your games? How are you promoting your games, getting your games out there now that things are, you know, there's a lot more games coming to market and stuff like that? Well, may, mainly just uh, trying to get out there with, with the media, with uh, the main iOS sites to do reviews. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to build a brand recognition so people that like these retro type games, the niche that I'm trying to, you know, do really well in, um, you know, just trying to get that exposure, I guess. And are you then like keeping, like having a mailing list and all that other stuff for your audience or your fans who are in? Because there, there's definitely an audience for these retro games. So. Yeah, I've got a mailing list that, uh, you know, I send updates out to um, when I, you know, have a new game to release. And where do you feel the, the market's going in the next 12 to 24 months? What do you think is going to happen to the iPhone platform? And are you looking at Android as the next, next big thing? Um, I'm not looking at Android because being a one-man shop, uh, spreading across multiple platforms is a huge task. And cranking out the games just for one platform right now is uh, plenty of work. And um, I guess, are you using any special tools or are you using the straight SDK to, to make your games now? Now that a lot more tools have come out um, to make iPhone games. Um, I write everything from scratch. I'm an old school guy, so yeah. I like to, you know, uh, game engines tend to be generic. And so if I want to do something very specific, I'm going to have to rewrite that part, portion anyways. Um, and I guess I've done it long enough that, you know, writing a game engine specifically for a game takes me a couple days anyway, so, you know, there's not really an advantage to use a third-party tool right now. And what suggestions do you have then for other small game developers who are looking for, you know, getting into mobile games or doing the iOS platform, stuff like that? Uh, nail the play control and the game design because, I mean, you know, if your play control is lousy but you have a great game concept, it's not, I don't think it's going to get you anywhere. Um, um, and finally, you know, you've seen games evolve from a lot of, you know, from very simple arcade games to something very, you know, to a lot of different genres. Um, why do you prefer the retro genre compared to some of the newer genres? I don't know. Maybe I'm just uh, old. <laughs> no, that's I cool. Mean, I mean, so I, it gives you a lot more joy than, say, working on some of the newer types of games. Yeah, I just really like, I've got some old arcade games in the basement and, um, you know, anything from, say, 78 to about 84, uh, I just love that era. And too bad the arcades are gone. <laughs> and where can listeners find out more about your games, potentially play them, download them, stuff like that? Um, go to binarysquare.com and uh, you'll find all the games that I've released there. Um, Touch Arcade occasionally does an article on my company. Um, they're good guys. And uh, yeah, there's some videos up on YouTube as well. Thank you very much.